Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio. This is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Thursday edition of the program. The next level is next. We'll see you tomorrow. I mean, that's that's what I'd like to do. Listen, obviously this isn't a fun show. It's not one that we had hoped we would be doing yesterday. And in fact, for a a long time, we felt that there there were people that we had talked to and back-channeled that you thought that this would not be where we are. But we know we are here. The NFL has appealed the suspension handed down by Judge Sue L. Robinson. You know what I thought was... I mean, there's no there's no humor in any of this. No. The thing that I did thought was pretty remarkable yesterday is, um, as yesterday afternoon as the appeal was made public, and then I started to see all the usual suspects from an NFL standpoint, from an NFL reporting standpoint, um, talking about um, our sources. The NFL is looking for an indefinite suspension. Well, the NFL is appealing to itself. That's right. So, why do we have to source it? NFL is looking for. Just give it. If right, well, I mean, so- that, like. Are we going to really go through this thing to where now there's going to be a second independent person looking at this? If if you're appealing to the NFL, the NFL is appealing to the NFL, someone appointed by Roger Goodell or Roger Goodell himself, although most people think it's not going to be Goodell. There's a couple of women who uh, women judges. Kind of Lisa Rice was one that was named. And then there was the, the Mary woman who, Joe White. White who oversaw the Dan Snyder stuff with the Washington team. Um, but. So we've already done this. We had an independent who is actually who actually a federal judge, and we've has made that. a ruling. So yeah. this look, it stinks. Nobody, I think, has said you know he was suspended for six games. They found that he had violated the personal conduct policy. This was the punishment which she felt was historic for the non-violent acts that he committed. Now people can debate whether it was violent. Not that's not what we're trying to debate here i'm certainly Charles not Robinson interested said in debating the best with thing anybody when we me either he had said the best thing we've done with us yesterday i tried to i thought this was the best way and it's something we've tried to do on the show i stay inside the rulings and what right. has been said and right. not go outside with the conjecture and everything else around it just stay within that and let others do the other things so i, I as you were talking i just thought you know that was I, when he said that yesterday i took note of it and i thought that's that's a really good way to put all of this. It is. And, again, a federal judge went through the facts of the case, felt that, yes, he had obviously violated the personal conduct policy, that it was egregious in ways, and that, therefore, she was going to hand down what she felt was the most significant discipline ever handed out by the NFL for a nonviolent act. Mm-hmm. And that was six games. You're going to hear now, and, and part of the reason that you had hoped, you know, the NFL wouldn't do it was, and it just be kind of, it would be done. Judges made a ruling. We're abiding by the ruling of the judge. That's it. That's obviously not going to happen. Is now you're going to revisit every decision that the NFL's made in the past. They're going to be, and some of them look, I would say, relative to what's happening right now, look pretty bad in terms of the way Ben Roethlisberger was handled relative to the way Deshaun Watson's handled for what was alleged about each of them. It's just an unfortunate situation. It's not anything I want to talk about. It's not anything you want to talk about. It's something that we all wish was was done. He, he is he is in the eyes of the league violated the policy. In the eyes of Judge Sue L. Robinson, he violated the policy. Here was the punishment that she thought was appropriate given the policy, the CBA that has been collectively bargained. That six games. That's the punishment. There it is. 
and now we don't know what it's going to be. The NFL, right to your point, they want an indefinite. So here's what I don't understand. If the NFL actually gives it to somebody who is outside of the NFL. Which is what you're is, hearing today. Is what you're is hearing from Florida. Which I don't understand. It's already been done. It, that's happened. Yeah. So it's like, we didn't like what you said, so now we're going to let somebody else do it. Who We're picking who is going to have marching orders on of course. what this is, the outcome is supposed to be. I, saw, I was talking to someone this morning, and they said, you know, a, a, a second independent set of eyes. And I'm thinking to myself, well, no, it's not, because the first set of eyes were picked by both. Truly independent. And collectively bargained as a truly independent set of eyes. That was Sue L. Robinson. That's been done. So now this is going to be done by the NFL. So that's that's not what this is. And to your point, marching orders. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know, guys. It, and I, I don't know if you have any insight on this either. I've been, you know, talking about this for much of the morning. I, the, um, a, a timeline I don't understand in terms of what I think what we do know about this process is is the state of facts that Sue L. Robinson, her findings are binding. What is going to be appealed is the punishment of those findings. It's important as we talk about the, the way that she filed um, in favor of the NFL in terms of breaking the code of conduct rules. She also admonished the NFL and said, look, you can't rewrite the you can't move the goalposts on this without right. telling the other side. You guys collectively bargained without, this right. Everybody agree without right. everybody agreeing to what the penalties are. This going to be you can't move the goalposts on punishment or how things are viewed based on your whims. Um, so she had that in the ruling that's in the ruling. And that, that's something I think the NFLPA will, 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 could potentially lean on, but who in the heck knows in terms of a timeline. So, you I, know, in terms of like, is this four I, or five days? Is I, I, my knows? understanding is that this should all be wrapped up in terms of the NFL's decision in this appeal should all be wrapped up by within the next 10 days. Is, is, is I don't know if I what that was in me, recounted to me. So that point, what would be if the NFLPA were then to launch a lawsuit and bring this into federal court, my understanding from, and I've talked to a few people about this, but my understanding is that the NFLPA, because they did not appeal the decision by Sue Robinson, that those six games are not up for debate at this time. That if the NFL increases the suspension, the NFLPA then files the suit and tries to take it into federal court. That any temporary restraining order and you know that would allow him to play would still begin with week seven. The six games are like that's locked. That's in. locked in. They're trying to stop what would be over and above those six games that are handed down by the NFL. And I talked to a couple of guys this morning whose feeling on this was that if there was that potentially the NFLPA should have appealed that initial ruling before the deadline at nine o'clock this morning, yeah. even though they said Sunday that they weren't going to, that potentially that was putting the cart before the horse a little bit. And they should have left that option open so that they could have appealed the original findings because now none of that can be relitigated. And that will be difficult to prove now on a, an appeal in the federal court. I feel like the guys in it's always in sunny in Philadelphia. Like I feel like I'm in bird law. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, we need strings and, and push pins to tie just, things to. It's a lot, and I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer. We've no. spoken with lawyers. Yeah. Um, it's 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 wild, and you know, the NFL is obviously going to get ultimately what it wants. Will that stand up? Now, there's another school of thought. Some other people that I've talked to that 
the NFL is doing this to force a settlement with Deshaun Watson. So I've heard this as well. That and this they will we could maybe bump the games up to eight games, maybe twelve, whatever it is, with a hefty fine, with forced counseling, and then it will never have gotten to the you know the second independent arbitrator if there is such a thing. And we will we'll just uh, that's that'll be it. We'll come to a resolution that keeps us out of court, and everybody you know is unhappy because not everybody would be happy, obviously. So this is we're back kind of in the a very difficult position, obviously, as Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns show. This is an independent news show, it's Cleveland Browns show. The Browns find themselves, I think, in a very difficult position as we now. It is unlikely if you take that 10-day time frame. Perhaps you know, perhaps you don't know by the time you even go play in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. What's happening and what does that look like? Because I really have to think that if, look, at six games, I feel very confident that the Browns are very confident with Jacoby Brissett here. If this now becomes 12, if it becomes the full season, I don't know if that's the case, if they're comfortable going the season with just Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs, and Josh Rosen. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. My guess is after being out there that, that you're going to need somebody else in here. I am. Um, it, this goes to the point you're making because, you know, we, we, we do the best we can on the legalities of all of this and the processes of all this and try to uh, paint you the picture as we understand it. The football side of it is the other thing that's incredibly muddy um, because it is it's pretty wild to me. I mean, this wasn't this you were out. This was late June. When okay. this hearing happened between Watson and Suell Robinson, like last week of June or second to last week of June, okay. I think you were out west, and and we were like getting bits and pieces of how this sure. testimony was going on the show. It's like six weeks ago, man. Like it's a lot of time that was wasted. It seems to get right back to where we are, which is oh now we're going to negotiate again. And so, well, because now they're going to say you're because before there was a negotiation where both sides had some leverage. Deshaun Watson was right. saying Sue Robinson told you at the very beginning of this hearing that a year is absurd and it's not yeah. going to happen. And so he had leverage. Now there is no leverage on the side of Deshaun Watson. None at all. So unless, I don't know why they would negotiate. What's the point? Because there is still in court. This has the potential to get ugly in a variety of ways. But it's a. Isn't that even a tough needle to thread? Yes. For the conversations I had this morning with with a couple of different people familiar yes. with this stuff. So I, even a, it's even not the a ability, lock no, it, you it, get discovery. To no, where you could do these things, and it depends where it's tried and where yes. you file and all of these things. So you know there was this notion of oh you don't want to get one of these NFL owners on a stand. Well, it's unlikely that that happens. So which is so here's the thing to me that I have a hard time getting my head around is that. And I wonder if it, they felt like it was a trial balloon. Ian Rappaport, who works for the NFL, yeah. was on NFL Network yesterday outlining the reasons why they wouldn't appeal, that it would keep this Watson story in the mm-hmm. news. You've got the kickoff to the season tonight, the Hall of Fame this weekend, and that there was a concern that the dirty laundry of owners was going to get aired as a result of this going into federal court. That <laughs> 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 this would, right? That's yeah. that, But that was coming... My guess was from the NFL, and I can tell you for a fact, and when we were on the air yesterday, mm-hmm. that there were people 
who are very close to the NFL that for a time yesterday were convinced that they were not appealing. Mm -hmm. So part of me wonders if they said, we're going to float that out there. What's the reaction to this? People are outraged. We're appealing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it. It's a fantastic point. I mean, it it's hard to be. It is hard. The people who are going to lose the most in this right now, as we sit here, are the Browns fans. Of course, right? And Browns fans and people are coming after Browns fans. How could you like? They're just fans of the team. Like, yeah, they just want a distraction on a Sunday, man. Yeah, and they would like this team to be good, as yeah. we all would. Yeah, and you could feel it is palpable that this this team had a, a great chance to be very good. So this is obviously a setback and we'll see we'll see how this plays out that's the thing we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and now we'll see what happens yeah it's um you are at the you are at the whims of the nfl here now and there there's not a whole lot of recourse the thing that like i would be the most upset about if i was an nfl player or just as a browns fan right now how did the nfl pa get itself into this position great question why would it not be we're going to use an independent arbitrator who is a federal judge that both sides agree on and their ruling is binding and final in what world did it make sense to have an appeal to the nfl like maybe if it would go through the actual court you go to an appellate court i don't even know how that would work but the fact that the final authority regardless of the outcome so if the nfl gets the outcome it wants from sue robinson it's saying cool If the NFL doesn't get the outcome it wants from Sue Robinson, it then says we're going to appeal to ourselves and get the outcome we want. Who signed that? And then from the NFLPA side, it's if we get the outcome we want from Sue Robinson, we're like, cool, we're not going to appeal. But if we don't, that means she sided with the NFL, and our only ability to appeal is to the NFL. To the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just curious who he appoints. It doesn't matter, though. Really. I don't. I don't like, think it matters think either, it, right? I mean, just you and I speaking frankly here. I don't think it matters. No, the, the NFL can do whatever they want. The NFL can do whatever it wants here. Roger Goodell can do whatever it wants, whatever he wants. If he wants it to be indefinite, then done. That's I th- yesterday when all that's oh, the sources say that they want it to be, then make it indefinite. That they're you have the seeking, power. seeking, it seeking. The word seeking. Yeah, that's right. They use seeking. Well, what do you mean? You are the one who are going to levy it. Yeah. If you want it to be indefinite, then make it indefinite. That's it. It's done. Back to Ned Stark. If you're going to pass sentence, swing sword, you're swing not it. seeking it. Like Ned Stark in Winterfell was not, you know, Ned Stark seeking the death penalty for so and so. We'll see what happens when he when he appoints a council to decide whether or not he's getting right. death penalty. But Ned Stark wants it. Well, in Winterfell, if Ned Stark says you're getting death penalty, that's what you're getting. Off that's your it. head. That's it. Right. The end. Yeah. I, so there you go. That's what it is. You look, look you look great in that sweatshirt. It's a great looking hoodie. I wore it today because I was sad, and this makes me happy. Mm. makes me happy too makes well, me happy you have it's one. a win for both of us yeah mine's under the mine under here somewhere listen under a desk you are held in high regard by mr howard so we could we can we when next time we get him in here we'll get let's get him on get you on the program see if we can work that out um in terms of and again I, we're, you're doing we, we are doing two shows and as a as someone covering the team you're doing you're doing you're on two beats as a fan of this team it's like there are two different things that you're doing you are rooting for your team and you're seeing the incredible things that we're seeing out on the practice field. I mean, and then, and then you're also handling, you know, this very, very heavy lifting when it comes to the legalities of stuff. Um, so, so you're doing both of those things. So just from a practical purpose of where we are 
the schedule for my, the reason that we're here in in Berea is because there is no practice uh, today. They're off. They'll practice Friday. They'll practice Saturday. They'll practice Sunday. They'll be off on Monday, and then they'll be back in front of fans next Tuesday, which is the final open practice before you guys leave for Jacksonville on Wednesday. By the way, when did we move to South Florida with all this humidity? You should have saw the uh, the football practice last night with the fifth graders in this heat. Yeah, probably not a lot of happiness. A little bit of complaining. Fogging visors. There was no there any visors. There was one kid in a visor, and it felt like he was going to suffocate. I'm like, dude. I know they look cool, but this ain't it, brother. I was driving through our neighborhood, and like everybody's got nice, good windows. Like it's a yeah. nice, it's a, it's a, it's a solid neighborhood. Everything's fine. Like it looks so like we're in like such a weird. It's I'm bizarre sorry. what's going on. I know it really is. It's so humid, so so humid. So humid. Um, all right, there there has been some stuff to to talk about uh, on the field. We will get into that as we go along. You'll hear from our good buddy Chad O'Shea. Uh, you'll hear uh, some of the highlights around that. T.C. McCartney, really good interview with uh, Z and T.C. coming up in the second hour of the program. We'll go around the league as well. Uh, we're off and running here. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. And now let's head to the podium. Some of the uh, really insightful uh, information from our good buddy Chad O'Shea, our wide receivers coach. We've talked a lot about this position room. There's been some breakout stars in this room. Here's Coach O'Shea on some of those issues. Looks like a couple of young guys have taken advantage of extra reps with your injury situation. Can you yeah. Talk about Woods and anything Jakeem Graham? I can. I mean, we've had some guys take advantage of the opportunities that they've had here recently, and they've made the most of their opportunities. And that's what we told them on day one is there's going to be a time where you're going to have an opportunity to go out there and show this team that we can trust you and you'll be dependable as an offensive player. And we've had a couple guys in Jakeem Grant and Mike Woods who have made the most of their opportunities. Um, and I think they made the most out of their opportunities because they work hard and they go out there and they perform and try to do the things that we ask them to do. So certainly that's been a very a positive thing for our offense that they've done that. We know what happened to Schwartz last year when his rookie camp started slowly because of not being on the field. David Bell, can he catch up? How much of a setback is just not being out there for him? Yeah, I think any time you're not on the field, uh, it presents a different type of challenge, but no different challenge than we have uh, when you're presented with other things. So I think that we do enough with him from a walkthrough standpoint we're very uh, intense in the meeting room setting with him. So we spend as much time as we can to make sure we kind of close that gap to where he, when he does get on the field, that he's in a position to know the information and go out there and try to execute it. Obviously, we want as many players on the field as we can. If you're available to us, you have a chance to improve, but he certainly can improve, although not being out there. Specifically about uh, Michael Woods, what, what have you seen in him that you like? What did you see in him kind of coming out of Oklahoma that you appreciate? Yeah, I, I start with the non-physical traits with him. His, his character traits are very strong. Uh, he's got tremendous work ethic. Uh, he's very smart. 
He's mature. He's taken the coaching. Uh, certainly for a rookie, I think he's been very professional in his development. And then his skill set, it's been great to see him go out there with the opportunities that he's had here recently, make the most of those opportunities because of his ability to play different positions. You know, we ask our players, if you can play in multiple roles, you increase our role for the team and you increase your chances of going out there and having individual success. And certainly he's done that because he has the position flexibility mentally to play multiple positions. He's made the most of his opportunities and it's been very positive with Mike Woods so far. It seems like DPJ has really taken all, uh, a big step, you know, without Odell here and Jarvis uh, to be that second receiver. What, what's been that key for him? Yeah, I think Donovan, and I've said this over the, the last couple years working with Donovan, he is such a, uh, a great guy and he brings so much to the table as far as his work ethic and his, his leadership within the group. Um, he takes coaching very well. He tries to be detail oriented. He had a great off season this year working with our strength and conditioning staff, which I think does a tremendous job with our players in general. But they did a great job with Donovan of making sure that he was in ideal shape and strength in a physical condition to go out there and you know do the things that he can do for us. And he's also a guy that can play in multiple spots. And, been very pleased with Donovan this year so far. What makes Amari such a good route runner? And he specifically mentioned having success on double moves. Yeah, I think uh, Amari's had success over his career, and he's an accomplished route runner. And, and I think his success on double move type routes is because he runs the first route really well. So if you're a great speed out runner, and they have to honor and respect that. If you're good at that, then you should be able to complement that. And what I say is a punch and counter punch. So I think that's what's given him the ability to be a double route runner is that he can run that first route really well. What impact has he had within that room and, and on that uh, receiver group? He just he doesn't seem to be a, a flashy type of personality or flashy guy. He just kind of goes about his business, but just from your perspective, what impact has he had on Yeah, Amari Cooper's had an impact without saying a word. And, and that's how I think it really to sum it up best. He goes about his business every day. He uh, works extremely hard. He is a great example to not only our young players in the receiver room, but to our team. And, and I really respect and admire the way he works every day. Certainly, I have watched him from afar for several years and always uh, loved him as a receiver, and now that I've had a chance to work with the individual, it's been awesome. And can't, again, say enough great things about Amari Cooper and what he's brought, not only to our receiver group, but to the team. Jack, can you address the, all of the challenges that you have faced at the position? It seems like every time you look out there, you're losing another guy, and you see Amari the other day, and even Donovan when he got in the uh, little scrum with, with Martin, you're probably, you're probably like holding your breath on that, but uh, can you just address what you yeah, and, and when I when I step in front of the group and we have our meetings, when I talk about challenges, we kind of talk about opportunities. We flip flip that word, and truly, it is an opportunity for some of these other guys to show us what they have. And uh, although it might be a setback for the individual that suffers the injury, for whether it's short term or long term, what a great opportunity that is for guys like Mike Woods, um, Mike Harley, some of these young rookies to get an opportunity to go out there and show us that all the work we've done in the meetings and we've had on the field individually now can go into a huddle and they can, again, show us that they deserve to be here as a Cleveland Brown. Coach, with, uh, with Dick Vermeil going into the Hall of Fame, I think he's a guy that kind of gave me your
Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. I mean, I, I'm not standing in front of uh, you guys right now. This is my 20th year in the NFL if it wasn't for Dick Vermeil. And I'm so proud of him and his accomplishment that he's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And there's so many lessons I learned as a coach. I would say the foundation of what I am as a coach is probably a lot of what he was and, and what he taught me. And the one thing that, that I'll always cherish that I learned from him is the importance of the relationships of the players and the coaches and how important that is and how special that is. And he's somebody I learned a great deal uh, from. I've learned loyalty. I learned uh, how to operate about your business and work very extremely hard. There's a great story. I was a special teams assistant when I was working for him and working with the linebackers. And it's when we were still on the paper photocopies. We weren't on the iPads like we are now. And we had a copy jam and he was a very hard worker. He'd be there all hours of the night. And him and I were the only two in the building. It was one o'clock in the morning and I was trying to fix a paper jam. I was on my knees. He walked past me, said, what's going on here? I was actually kicking the machine. He told me to, to calm down and have some poise. He got down on his knees and he fixed that copy jam with me and to me that's always something that has stuck with me of how humble of a leader he was uh, what a great worker and what a great mentor he's been I still stay in communication with him quite often and I, I mean I get goosebumps thinking about his honor that he's going to receive this weekend in the Hall of Fame all right good stuff from coach there his room is it's it's a room that needs to get healthy for starters uh, that's the first part of it you need to start seeing uh, Anthony Schwartz on the football field. You need to start seeing Dave Bell on the football field. Yeah, and Mike Woods, who had been the guy that had yeah. capitalized on their absences, was an, unable to finish practice yesterday, and we do not have an update. Oh, I on, missed that with all him. of the rest of it, so I didn't even see that at the end that that happened. Well, there was things, other things. Yeah, Was there? There was other stuff that took the How attention? How about the surreal nature of the fact, not because I know that we don't want to go back to this, sure. but the surreal nature of the fact that he found out on our practice field – on camera with the NFL Network, like in a, the middle of a Steve Weich hit. Wait a second. He heard from Steve Weich. No, he didn't no, hear no. from Steve Weich. While Steve Weich is doing a hit here, remember he was here. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like doing a hit, and that's when Deshaun, you could see Deshaun being told on the field what was what, what, had, what it had that they had appealed. And then it just so happened there was a very high-ranking person from the NFL PA here. I don't know his Because name. of the Hall of Fame, right? Because of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then as Weiss is doing the hit, they're, like, showing that guy go talk to Watson as he's going into the locker room. And Deshaun Watson, to his credit, when you would be obviously in – I'm sure he was not pleased – got the news, processed it for a second, and then went – and it was Military Appreciation yeah. Day and spent his time – Going, everybody in that line with the military to thank them for their service and for being there, and then and then made his way in, which it would have been easy to be like, you know what, like, yeah, I'm out, I'm gonna go in, yeah. That's what I was saying when we were in the first segment we were talking about it. Like, the whole timing of this feels like this could have been done much, so much long ago. Yes, it should have been wrapped up at the end of it should June. Should have been wrapped up. Honest to goodness, it should have been wrapped up before he was traded. Correct. Yeah. As soon as the grand jury information was had, at that once that happens, then here's the wrapped thing. up and away you go. Here's the thing, and this is not to be, you know, obviously we're with the Browns. We are pro I I'm a Browns employee, pro Browns in this situation. 
and the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. after doing their own their own investigation, which they felt very comfortable that a he could work here. And right now, what we're really talking about is an individual's right to work in their mm-hmm. chosen profession. Yeah. His current employer, even though it's under the umbrella of the National Football League, but his current employer is the Cleveland Browns. They've investigated him and they felt comfortable with him playing, which is again neither here nor there. But the fact is. All of these things that are alleged to have happened happened while he was a Houston Texan. Mm-hmm. On some level, the Texans were implicated in it as there were civil suits brought against the Texans, all mm-hmm. by the same lawyer, Tony Busby, that they settled. As of now, it does. there has not been any type of a punishment meted out to the Houston Texans who now got to trade Deshaun Watson, have all of our first-round picks. Yeah. And in some ways, you would say, given the scope of what it feels like is happening right now, Sean, they're smelling like roses, and all of this happened while he was under their employ mm-hmm. and not the Browns' employ. Correct. Yeah. Which I it, no, like it doesn't feel right. No. No, but I – yeah, I don't know that they – I don't think that Roger Goodell cares, clearly, <laughs> about any of that. You know, it's fan, it's a fantastic point. It's a fantastic point. And – who knows? But it seems like any time that, that that's the hard part about this right now is, you know, you hear from Coach O'Shea and we watched practice this week and we'll watch practice tomorrow and we'll be out there again tomorrow. And there are noteworthy things, but it's all tabled or couched by. But what about this? And it's all you all view it in the context of this receiving core. For example, let's have a football conversation for a second. We had this conversation yesterday on the show. This receiving core is plenty good with Deshaun Watson as the quarterback. It's a very different receiving core if Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback. Amari Cooper remains a one. We sure. like a lot of the guys in the room, yeah. sure, but they really need to get healthy, and much of it was bet on the idea that they would be elevating by having Deshaun Watson throw them the football. Right, we're talking about look what he did with Kiki Kute and all of the things, and now you've got a situation where in camp – Two days ago, you didn't have three of your top four, but Amari Cooper came right back in a nice day yesterday. So you've got Amari, who's your one. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, your two. So at the end of the day, your two most important guys have been here the whole time. That's good. Three and four, depending on how you wanted to order them, would be Bell and Schwartz. You haven't seen either one of them in camp. We saw Schwartz for a hot second. Mm -hmm. That's it. The guy who really was your next best receiver thus far, and really has been your third best receiver in camp, is Mike Woods. Yeah. And now we know that he was unable to finish practice. And you fear that it could be something more significant, right? If it's a muscle, if it's, you know, whatever. Because remember, he was battling muscle, soft tissue injuries, which kept him out of pretty much all the OTAs that yeah. he was in the minicamp. So he's already had limited time, but he's flashed. There's no doubt about it. But now I we don't know when we'll see him. Hopefully it's tomorrow. Hopefully it, it wasn't serious. Hopefully it's not that it's tomorrow. But, yeah, this isn't scores. But, but yeah. we'll find out. Then you've got Felton and Grant, who are have had nice camps. And Jakeem Grant, you know, got over a thousand yards receiving in his career. You know, five over five hundred the last two seasons with three touchdowns. But he's not an every down wide receiver for you. He's your return guy, and he's going to be a guy that you're going to put a package of plays in for. And that's kind of how Demetric Felton feels. You go and you look at who's out there, who can still come in and produce for this football team. There's Will Fuller, but again, the issue is right now health in our in our wide receiver room. He has never stayed healthy. Mm-mm. Deshaun Jackson, does he still have anything left? There is clearly some debate as to whether T.Y. Hilton has anything left or if he even wants to play in the NFL. Yeah. And you're just making connecting the dots, a guy who at least played with Jacoby Brissett. Emmanuel Sanders might actually be 
the most complete receiver available to you. But are you trying to bring somebody else in at this point because in early camp you are not healthy when the expectation is both Bell and Schwartz are going to be fine for week one? But do you need to, if you're not going to have Watson for at least six games, do you need? Do you feel the need to elevate overall your receiving core? And I don't know the answer to that. That's not That's not something you know for me to decide. But what I will say is the Browns are fortunate to have Chad O'Shea, yep. who we just heard, because Chad O'Shea has, everywhere he's gone, consistently gotten the best out of the talent that is in his room because he is, if not the best, one of the best wide receiver coaches in the NFL, and we're very lucky to have him here. So he that he helps the situation, yeah. but again, he can't go out and play. <clears throat> not that you would want him to. You want him to coach. But it, there's only so much that can be done, and this becomes now a concern. Now, on the flip side, the Browns in a situation where they are going to, if without Watson, I imagine we're going to run an offense that's more similar to the offense that we have seen in the past. Mm-hmm. So there will be the 12 personnel where you've got your two tight ends, you've got Harrison Bryant, and you've got David Njoku who are going to help you. You've got you still got Nick Chubb, you still have Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson to carry the load running the football. You've got a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who can operate that play action, that boot game. We just probably won't be that sling it around the yard type of a team. And that would be the case, too, by the way, regardless of who's playing quarterback for this team, of the available potential options, even getting like way out there and talking to the Jimmy G's of the world. Jimmy G's not a no stand back there and throw it 50 times a game Mm-mm. shotgun quarterback no. at all. So that's you have that with Watson. You don't have that without Watson. And that's fine. We can be a very successful offense. And I think we're a team that is going to be carried in large part by our ground game and our defense. Anyway, our defense is elite. I'm here yeah. to tell you right now, I think we have the best secondary in the NFL. I think we may have the fastest linebacking core in the NFL. And we've got the best edge rush or cl- close to it in the conversation tandem in the NFL. Yeah. So we there's still a lot to be excited about with this football team regardless of what the outcomes are here with Deshaun Watson but obviously getting to be out there and see it you realize that this is he is unlike everything else and anybody else we've had play the position here Otto you know Brian Sype was an MVP and he's obviously Bernie was tremendous yeah but he's on a he's he is a guy that is going to be considered one of the top quarterbacks in the league period yep yeah. So, so that's that. All of it is kind of tabled by that. So you have to you view things through two different pe- spectrums all the time on this stuff. Uh, you mentioned some of the some of the fun and cool things that are happening out here at camp, especially on this defense. Uh, we'll get into to some of the guys who have stood out. Um, some of the position battle updates is you know we're going to be in Jacksonville a week from today, not playing, but we'll be there. As uh, you guys are going to travel what next Wednesday? Is that when you guys are flying down? That's right. So you'll be flying to Jacksonville next Wednesday to play a game. We got an actual game tonight, by the way, Hall of Fame game uh, down in Canton with as well. Jacksonville. With Jacksonville. Wonderful to see Trevor Lawrence next week. We won't see him tonight. We will not see him tonight. Probably not, would be my guess. Let's get the yep. Bo Bishop rules in there. Let's see it's just Trevor simple. Lawrence. Like It's such a simple fix. Uh, you have that to look forward to, which is nice. You'll see the Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
My good friends at the Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams. They can do it for you in about a day. You want that spa-like experience every time you go in there, they can do it for you. Let the Bath Authority can make it a reality for you. Fraction of cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts and factory trained. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399. Or go to thebathauthority.com. Tell them Bo sent you. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. States. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding in about a day. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. 216-220-8399 on that. Uh, in terms of who has – it's crazy because you, we're out there yesterday, and every this has happened every day that we've done the show out there this week in the, the three days that we've done the show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Every single day there has been a Nick Chubb run that has literally taken my breath away while we're on the air. Because he's moving at a different speed than other human beings. <laughs> right? He looks like you he see is a just, blur. It's a blur. I mean, I can I'll put it on right now while we're talking and watch the tape of it. But that's the thing that goes makes me. It, it's insane to watch. He's faster than the tape refresh rate because, he, and he is. It's just, it's an it's absurd. And and he's not the only one. Jerome Ford had one yesterday where he was yeah. cooking, but Nick Chubb looks. If he needs to, he looks ready. To carry the load. If that is what is required for this football team to get it done, Nick Chubb looks ready and up to the task to do just that. We get we, we have music. Little traveling music. Yeah. Exciting. It's, it's very, very exciting. So you got good lord. You got you, you got Nick Chubb as a blur. Um in terms of, of some of the other people who have jumped out to you, um and well let's do position battles first. Let's circle back to defensive tackle. Uh you mentioned Jordan Elliott on the show yesterday. Um, and they seem to be raving about Jordan Elliott and making a bit of a jump. Who else in that room has made an impression early? Well, Taven Bryan's a guy that he flashes, and I think the hope is that if Taven Bryan can get more consistent that the Browns really have gotten themselves a free agent gem. Uh, he is he has had some dominant plays yesterday to close out practice. Uh, they were down in the goal line area, and the first team offense was on there on, on two consecutive plays. He was in the backfield and was was a was a play wrecker, and so the, that's what they're looking for out of Taven Bryan. That's what they think he could do. Remember, this guy's a first round talent. I've, I've been doing my research, getting ready for the season. One of the things that I found, which is always a lot of fun, is you get into uh, you know college nicknames, and, and his nickname while he was at the University of Florida was the Wyoming Wild Man as he hails from Wyoming, the great state of Wyoming. and uh, in Nice fact, alliteration there. Yeah, exactly. And th there's one right there where he I'm watching right now, and that was actually him working on uh, Wyatt Teller, who was a pro bowler, all pro right guard, and was able to get into the backfield. And so that's a guy that they're counting on. Perion, I'm told, has been, you know, he is unbelievably talented, unbelievably athletic, unbelievably strong. It's a matter for him of mastering the defense, his responsibilities within that defense, and, and bringing that to the field. And if he can do that, they're very excited about Perion. But I think the two guys we thought we were going to start are going to start. Tommy Togiai's put some good weight back on. He's been able to get his hands on the ball a few times, so he's had he's had a good camp. But really, it's it's Elliott and Brian. And what we have not really seen yet, and it's early because they're still in the kind of the initial installs of the defense, is Alex right inside him. I talked to him about that yesterday in mm -hmm. our interview. But that is something that I know is in the works at some point here for the Browns. And I think the Browns are also looking into some some different packages where at times you'll see, you know, maybe 
Miles and Clowney, that's it. And then you can go Miles Clowney with, let's call it JOK, Phillips, and Taki and a blitz as all stand up blitzers. Mm -hmm. And then behind that, you can have your three corners, three safeties, and just have kind of this vast unit where you're going to bring pressures from a lot of different spots. They have, and that's when you watch it. I mean, you have the ability to do that. You have yep. so many supreme athletes on the defensive side of the ball in the back seven that, yeah. And then the other thing about it is Miles and Jadavian are such havoc wreakers that that's how that that's how you do that. Yep. It, you can do that with this type of personnel, and, and that jumps out. How's Nick Harris doing at center? Nick Harris has been great, and that, that's why it's one of those things when we signed Ethan Posick, who had you know, made numerous starts in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks, I think a lot of people initially thought that that was going to be a competition. Like, yes, we like Nick Harris, but, you know, Ethan Posick started 40 games. He's, you know, second-round pick back in 2017 for the Seahawks, and it is not a competition. He is the starter, and, and the returns have been very good on him, which is what they expected. They expected him to be good, and he is good. So that I feel great about our offensive line. I think everybody feels great about our offensive line. That remind me, was is it the line in old school? I think everybody knows you had a great time, Frank. That's right. Yeah, so it was awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, Ricky Bobby was on one one of the That's last. That's always four, a good just throw it on. That's a good yeah. Just throw you it pick on. it on. I picked it up where uh, he was. Uh, the dad just threw him in the car with the live cougar. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not sure this is safe. Yes, it's so great. Uh, I hadn't seen that in a very very not long safe. Time. By no, the way. not safe. Look, folks. Really, really talented football team. There really aren't any questions outside of, really, truly the only questions are at receiver, and that's just well, health. That's health-related right now. And then depth and how it's going to play out at defense. Everything else is locked in. The right linebackers are locked in in terms of you got, what, you four starters is what we were talking about sure. yesterday. Mm -hmm. You got four starters there. Uh, your secondary is loaded. I mean, it might be. You, you walk around that with a lot of pride, Coach. That's You're walking around no, with the this best is elite. defensive back room yeah. maybe in the league. I think it's in – It's in – it's in play. I mean, when you talk about – when I was looking at, at the safety situation with Johnson, Ronnie looks good. And then Delpit looks like he's going to take a leap. Like, that's just – that's crazy. That's – yeah. You are loaded there. And the guy that has been really exciting, and I did a two-minute drill with him yesterday as he walked off the field, I'd recommend checking out his, his Browns breakdown, is MJ Emerson. And, you know, you go – and there's a rep yesterday from yesterday's practice where he is one-on-one -on -one with Amari Cooper at the bottom of, of, of the field, the bottom of the screen if you're watching it on TV, and he is just absolutely in the hip pocket of Amari Cooper for the entirety of the route. And his confidence is big. His desire to compete is, I'm told, you know, huge. And this is a fourth down drill, and he's got one-on-one -on -one with Amari Cooper, and that's the direction Watson wants to go. And MJ Emerson is just right there. He is right in that hip pocket. He is sticky in coverage, and, and he's he's made an impression. And, and at this point right now, is he ready to push Greedy Williams? I don't know. Greedy was excellent last year. As we said, he gave up only one play of more than 40 yards all season long. He gave up one touchdown all year long. Greedy Williams played very, very well and is healthy, and, and the Browns are excited about him. A.J. Green's had a good camp as well. We're, it is a loaded cornerback room, but the Browns feel now that they got him here, they're very pleased. And obviously you want to get into the games and you want to see a little more, but yeah. they have been very pleased 
with MJ Emerson and what he has been able to do. And by the way, I was wrong about that. Green did not allow a 40-yard pass last year. I knew it was one. He's one good. thing was one touchdown, no 40-yard passes on the season. Yeah. Greedy was really good last year. I go back to this stat. First of all, the guy's 6'2". Talk about MJ Emerson. He's got long arms, 33-inch arms. He was targeted just 13% of his coverage snaps in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Like in the SEC, you're playing people who are going to be playing in the NFL for the most part, mm-hmm. right? And I don't imagine, unless there's a healthy dose of just straight up known respect for your ability to play the position, you're not, you're not saying giving somebody the Deion Sanders treatment. Well, no. And he, you also, what he, let's remember he played at Mississippi State, which continues to be in the SEC West. So you'd been doing so against Alabama, which had the Heisman Trophy winner, one of the most. He was locking offenses. up Jamison Williams. Yeah, so you had you had that. You had Old Miss, who had Matt Corral, who threw it around a ton, was in that uh, Texas A and M, whichever quarterback they had, especially as the season went along. I don't remember when Mississippi State, State played them, but they, by, as the season went along, they were very comfortable throwing it. LSU has always been; they weren't good last year, but they'll they'll throw the ball around. So no, your point is well made that he played in the toughest division in college football with some of the most prolific offenses in the sport. And to not be challenged is pretty wild. It is wild. He stands out though. You look at, you see him in yes. that 23 and he just looks the part. Like it's a good it's, number. Yeah. 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 A good looking number. Yeah, it is. It's a good looking number. And he's a, he's a bigger lanky. I mean, again, it, he looks a lot like a lot of the rest of those guys. We have a lot of guys, six, two, six, three, 218, 232, or 228. Yeah. Like, we have a lot of guys that are kind of in that body type, and they all kind of look the same. One of the things that they like about him the most, and this is a guy when he was, like, do a little Chris Collinsworth here. Now, here's a guy. Here's a guy. So, his DB coach at Mississippi State was Daryl McBath. One of the other DB, uh, another assistant DB coach at, at Mississippi State while he was there was Terrell Buckley. Oh, Florida State? Former first-round pick. Yeah. Cornerback. And so he's got – obviously, he's been taught by some very, very good players in Terrell Buckley, who was a first-round pick. And they just say he is a sponge. Like, he just wants to be good. He wants to compete and is doing everything. And I'm told he has taken so quickly to the changes in the technique that Brandon Lynch and Jeff Howard are asking him to play – that is making him more effective, and he's playing, doing that with confidence. And it was funny. I asked him after practice, and you can get the two-minute drill on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash browns. I asked him, you know, how do you feel after seven days of training camp compared to, you know, when you first came in here in the rookie minute? He yeah. said, I'll be honest. He's like, I was a little lost. He said, and now I'm feeling good. I, I've got it. It's, it's locking awesome. in. It is awesome to see. He loves He loves the game. Loves the game. Yeah. Yeah, He's it's it's a special group. Uh you're gonna. This defense is. It's gonna be something. Go ahead. And we haven't seen Denzel yet. That's a no. thing. Like our secondary has looked very good, and we haven't even seen Denzel yet. No, no. And he good. He is good. He is good. I like the Air Maxes he's had on this week. Yeah. I haven't seen those in a while. Those the they were the tuned air ones. He had them in the in the bright green and black stripes. They look good. I, I couldn't they look pull comfortable. Off. I couldn't pull up. But he looks. You can pull he, anything off. Eh, 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 I don't know. Um, all right, we will uh, we'll take a continue our look around uh, this roster coming up as we get into the second hour of the program. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look of your home with new siding for Renew Home Exteriors. Receive $1,500 off and free insulation wrap plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors is going to meet or beat competitors' estimates by up to 10%, pay you $100. Hear from their customers. Here's what Blake had to say. Renew did an excellent job with my roof and siding. Very professional crew, great rates, showed up on time. I couldn't be more pleased and would do repeat business in a heartbeat. And you can too. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Text ESTIMATE to 71441 to book or revisit RenewEstimate.com. That was great seeing the Hoff and the children yesterday. The Hoff's children. Yeah, it was a blast today. The yeah. Hoff, the Hoff uh, today was like a heavy bench day. No big deal. He threw up 365. <laughs> Did you? Uh, like, that's an insane amount of weight. The conversation that we had Tuesday on air with him when we were talking about, like, the fights in practice because there was a, a little skirmish that happened. Sure. And then he gave all of this incredible detail on the various altercations that had happened. That he had won. That he had won. He was yeah. undefeated. Basically all the time, which you look at him and you go, yeah, well, I bet he is undefeated. Uh, I don't know if people viewed him that way when he played, though, because he's such a lovable character. I don't know if people viewed him as ruthless as he is as a competitor and how singularly dr- he driven he is to dominate. Yes, to dominate, Anything. to crush. Yeah, he's a machine. There was, a, There is in his mind a natural order of things, and that order features himself at the top. And yes. he doesn't want anything to disrupt no. that order of things. No, it was funny. We were, um, I was actually, we were at the, the, the 10-year-old's full contact practice last night, and they were doing, like, basics of blocking, you know, and how to block and all of this. And I'm thinking, I actually have, like, a 15-minute a master class on blocking. <laughs> if we want to want to talk about it, I can tell you what Joe Thomas does. Right. I don't know how useful that I don't know how useful it will be for you guys. Um, but it was interesting. Just we have this, we have a couple of kids who are like in fact, one kid in particular who loves Joe, who plays left tackle, who's the biggest kid on the team, and loves the idea of being the left tackle. Like loves just road grading. Like he's gotten into it. Um, and I talked to him about you know some of the stuff Joe went. You know how Joe would train with guys with martial arts and with his sure. hands and leverage and all of that stuff. And the kid just lit up. Um, and you think about the way you're taught to play those positions, and then the way that Joe took those little bricks and then just every year kept adding another layer to the point of playing it to the level of, you know, the Picasso of the offensive line is, is what he was. I mean, he's on a list, Tim and Munoz and a couple others is the greatest offensive lineman in the history of the league. Yeah, it's, it's, he is, it's wild. And, and it was funny at the end of our workout today. And he's like, you know, like, he's like, thanks for pushing me, big Z. I'm like, <laughs> And I think he meant. Like, of course, he does. He I meant think it. he actually meant it. I think he's probably just like, here's look, you everything you do, you do it at the best level that you can do it at. There's no that's something I'm about trying. you that I appreciate a great deal. Um, is that when you go into something, you go into it all in. And so I'm sure that hit you being there with him, it's comforting. It certainly helped me because this is the first time, like part of the program we were doing on day three features bench, and you go. 10, get some music for it. Why not? It's exciting. You go 10, 
and then every minute on the minute. So first set is 10, that's just a warm up. Then five, then three, then two, then one, then one. Benching your max without a spotter is hard because you can only you can only really do what you know you can handle, right? Otherwise, yeah, there could be big problems. And so it was cool having him there today, and I was able to to do something that was exciting. And and like I said, look, I try to stay, and I I was pretty close to it, but I try to stay at about sixty percent of him, and that makes me feel really good. And so I was I was in that realm. But I mean, three sixty five is just a it's a monster number to watch him throw up. And then we did the, a really cool thing, which I don't get to do without him, which is you put really heavy weight on, like your max heavy weight on, yeah. and you do a three-second negative. So you're just trying to bring it all the way down for three seconds, hold it, and then you need somebody to pull the bar back up because you're gassed. Three sets of three of that. And that was, my chest tomorrow is going to be on fire. But it, it, yeah, it's a blast, man. It's a He's the best, man. He's back tomorrow. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. The workout that we did today, he had already come here at 6 a.m. And, and done a workout with Evan Marcus, our strength guy, to do, like, carries and all this different stuff. Then he went and did yoga uh-huh. and then came here to do that third one. And I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like, I appreciate it. He's like, I love it. This is great what um, the Mrs. Hoff said yesterday as we were talking to her off, off air about, um, you know, Joe and all of it, how much we love him and – uh, it was great to get to talk to her. I'd never talked yeah. to her before, never met her before, but it was great to get to talk to her. Um, and she was talking about, she said, and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this. I told him I can't work out with him. I don't have time for this. Like I got four kids. Like, yeah, I don't know. No. Just, just get to it. What's the, we were, we're in doing? there for 90 minutes today. Yeah, I, was just gonna, I don't have no time for that. What can I do in 30 minutes? He's uh, awesome. He's just, he's awesome. And he loves it. And he loved being here and getting to be around, you know, talking to the guys and, He's uh he's fired up. He's he's a special human being. We are lucky to have become friends with him and to get to have, do the show with him, which we'll do tomorrow. But also, for the Browns as an organization to have that as your ambassador and to have that as a guy who wants to come back and make the younger players better and and help wherever he can. And like he's so geeked. He's like, I think I get to go to the walkthrough and the other meetings. And yeah, he was all fired up about that. Here's the thing though that's the funniest about that. Uh, the, th- the funniest thing that he said to me today. So we're in there, and it was like just us, and so you know, getting, getting a little, some little posing in and doing whatnot, which is hilarious. And then like I'll look, and I'll be like, yeah, I actually look all right. And then he poses next to me, and I'm like, all right, cool, awesome, it's great. Uh, and I do realize this is one of the greatest professional athletes of all yes, time. I so like, do. I like do you, understand yeah. this for a second. I'm just like a normal 44 year old amateur. He gave me a nice compliment. He said, um, he's like, you have great like motor skills. Like well, I can tell you something and kind of show you something, and then you're able to translate that into your body. I was like, well, I was like a decent amateur athlete. Really, yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like a, but I thought that was very nice. So this is the part that killed me. So we uh, were like checking that the abs a little bit, and I'm like, I, I got my top two. He's like, your top two are great. He goes, that's working out. He's like, your core is strong. You have your top two abs. He goes, the rest of it's I'm like, I eat well. I said, maybe I drink too much wine or whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm in, he's like, oh, and you're in your 40s. I said, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So then he like, you know, pops abs. He's shredded as you've seen. You've seen veins popping everywhere. So then he goes, you know, Andy and I decided, you know, this summer we have a lot of traveling we're doing. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of fun like events we're doing. Like we're just gonna let ourselves go. Like let's just enjoy and indulge, indulge, indulge and and we're gonna let ourselves go. But he goes, but in the fall, we're gonna get lean. We're gonna get serious. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. He's saying right now he's let go. Yeah, he let himself. This is let go. This is let go. That's I was like, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Your veins are popping through your skin everywhere on your body. Your vascularity is outrageous. You're shredded. 
By the way, didn't his wife, didn't she play volleyball at Wisconsin? Yeah, she's an athlete. She's in, she's in, she looks like she'd play tomorrow for and the U.S. Like, Olympic team. She's like six feet tall. Right, she least. looks like she could play tomorrow for the U.S. Yes. Olympic team. Like, yeah, and that's letting him go. They're going to have four little Olympians running around. You wait, watch. Wait till you see. Wait till you see. I can't, how, do you, how do you shred what they already are? I don't know, but I think you should like be working like as like a future courtship playing seeds, the bold and a, and, and oh a young Oh, my God, half. if it lined up. Right. Yeah. <sighs> A young lady, Hoff? Jeez. And the bold? I mean, oh, that, I, mean I feel like that's like... Be a big win. Jeez Louise. Be a big win. Got to get that all sorted out. I feel like we need to talk about some position battles since we have this music playing. I'm actually having fun talking about nonsense with the yeah. music playing. I like that, too. I like that, too. I kind of need a little nonsense, to be honest it's, with you. It's due. It's due. It's definitely due. Um, are there... When you when you talk about the end bottom You're of the not roster... you let me do it. Okay. Just right, give me five minutes. I mean, the music's okay, playing. Fine. I feel like it, we should justify the music being played. I don't, we didn't ask for the music. No, I know. We've, it's been on for like 45 minutes. I kind of think it's, yeah. I think it's all like the last half of the second hour, too. Like I we're just think playing it. I, I think it's kind of a funny bit that we're just, just, a bit. We're just, just ignoring just, it or ignoring the music. All right, here's what, here's what I'll say. Okay. Just give me, give me roster breakdown. Roster breakdown. So quarterback, Numbers. quarterback, you're going to carry two into the season. And obviously, you. it's probably going to be Brissett and someone else. I don't know if it ends up being Josh Jobs or Josh Rosen. Josh, they, they've got to pick up their level of performance yep. at camp right now. <clears throat> Although, as I, I talked to one uh, personnel executive, and they said, well, third and fourth quarter, like, where are the good third and fourth quarterbacks at? Yeah. Because that's in reality what they are. Right. Is the, they don't exist. They, there aren't any. <laughs> right, yeah. there aren't any. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's why, that's why like, if you think about Chase Daniel and McCoy, I'm like these guys can hang around forever because they're like competent. Competent, yeah, right. That's exactly the word. They're competent. So that's quarterback. Running back, I think you're set. You're four. You're four. Now, could somebody come calling and say, "Hey, a devastating injury to a a guy who was going to be a star, or something like that"? Could somebody come calling and try to get into our depth, possibly? But mm -hmm. provided there is no move of that nature, you're going to have you're you're going to have Chubb, Hunt, Johnson and Jerome Ford. Wide receiver, our top four are our top four, and that's Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz. Jakeem Grant counts in this room, so that's five. The question then becomes Mike Woods, Demetric Felton. I don't see us going to seven, mm -hmm. but that's, that's how it feels right now. So there's a battle for that sixth spot. Tight end room. I think your top four right now are your top four because of Stanton's versatility to play fullback as well. But could they only go with three tight ends? Possible. Possible. Forrestall right now is in, I would put him in third, but Stanton's having a very good camp. Yep. And we're going to hear from TC McCartney talk about the tight ends uh, in just a little bit. So maybe even next after this fun music. No, we got around the league next. Okay. Um. So that's where there's some there's some pressure there. You've got Nakia Griffin Stewart, who's been in the league for one year. He like TC. You'll hear him talk about him. Move tight end has good hands, working on the run blocking part of it. Zaire Mitchell Payton is he's had a very hard worker, and then Marcus Santos Silva is the project who is a basketball player. I think he has a future here, mm -hmm. but I don't know that we're talking about 53 man as a rookie. So you go to the offensive line. Here's where I think it actually is getting interesting. Here's who I think is on the roster today. Your five starters, duh, Hubbard, Hudson, mm -hmm. Posick. That's eight. There is a battle, and we are seeing different combinations with that second team 
at the guard positions. I have seen for a while it was Blake Hans and Yelda Froholt were getting the the first like where they were the guards for the second team. And then on this past one, as I'm watching the tape right now, on this past one, the guards were Drew Forbes on the left, Blake Hans on the right. I've seen Drew Forbes and Michael Dunn. So I think you've got a competition between Forbes, Dunn, Froholt, and Hans. Four guys for one or two spots. Because Posick's played guard as well in the league. Yeah. So there's four guys for one or two spots there, and I think that's interesting. Dawson Deaton, who they drafted, of course, you know, you drafted the guy, maybe he's in the mix, but at least as of now, Dawson Deaton has been working uh, with the third team exclusively. I have not seen him yet get any second team reps, so that would make it feel like it's going to be a little bit harder for him. So that's a pressure point in terms of roster. D-line, we haven't seen Sheldon Day yet, but Sheldon Day, Togiai are probably going for one spot. Defensive end. Chase Winovich, Stephen Weatherly, you know, uh, Isaac Rochelle, they're probably going for one spot right now. Winovich would be the favorite there, but that's probably going for one spot. Yep. Linebacker, you've got Tony Fields um, that you would think is probably your linebacker five. And then the question is, do we keep six linebackers? I don't know that we would keep six linebackers. You'd have four starters, and you really only have, you know, the five guys uh, on the f- the roster. They would be there to play special teams. Now, Dakota Allen is a special teams guy. Willie Harvey's had a couple nice days of camp. And they love Silas Kelly, the undrafted free agent with the great hair. Great hair. So that's 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 a little tough. But we're talking about bottom of the roster. I think we might only keep the five corners. If you do keep six, Herb Miller, uh, Parnell Motley, those guys are kind of maybe in the mix. Reggie Robinson, Sean Jolly, that's the four. But I would probably say Miller and Motley right now have a little bit of an advantage. And then at safety, Rich LeCount, Javante Moffitt, DeAnthony Bell for maybe one spot. That becomes a pretty interesting mix right there. So that's – but this is what we're talking about. And then Charlton yeah. and Bajorquez, one punter will make the football team. But nothing of consequence here. No. And I don't know that there's – you know, sometimes who's going to be the big name surprise? I don't know if there's a big name surprise on this team that would mm-hmm. get cut. I don't know that that's even no in the realm of possibility. It, 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 this roster has been expertly put together. Yeah. What is known is very well known. And and it's there's there's not a whole lot of room to it. I know that it's something we do around here a lot. It's oh who's 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 going to win this start? And a lot of it's sorted out. It's not real exciting, but it means you have a good football team. That's what that means. In the old days you're saying, "Well, who's going to win this job? Who's going to who's going to be the starting this this?" It's because you don't have a very good football team. We have a really good football Very team. Very good football team. So that's that's why it is the way that it is. Um, all right, coming up next, we'll go around the league. Hall of Fame game tonight. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. ESPN Cleveland. Land on Demand is now free in the palm of your hands during the entire month of August. ESPN Cleveland, the Bath Authority, giving you fan-free access to Land on Demand for all the news you don't want to miss. Check out live in our brand new 
Studios. They're fantastic. Replay all your favorite shows, commercial-free and on-demand. Get all access to Tony Grossi's Browns analysis and more. Visit thelandondemand.com or download the app today. The Land On Demand, remodeled by my good friends at the Bath Authority. Pro Football Hall of Fame game tonight. Um, said it earlier this week. It's a shame that that's the way that this game is played, that you're not going to see anybody or anything. And I'm surprised that NBC puts up with it. I'm surprised. I think there's a million ways you could sort it out. That's right. You could go thud. That would do it. You could say, look, everyone's got to play their starters for one series and just have the understanding that nobody hits anybody below uh, the waist or near the head. I mean, it's, there's a million ways. We're going to have the Eagles in here in two weeks, and we're going to have – no one's going to get hurt, and it's all going to be fine. So, like, the notion that you can't see Trevor Lawrence tonight, at the very least have the quarterbacks and the skill guys go out there. Yeah. That's all anybody cares about anyway. You want to protect the off, offensive line. By the way, it's mean, fine. So what? I'd rather watch if they were doing one-on-ones – so would I. I just love to see watch Trevor that. Lawrence throw it. I don't, sure. I'm not interested. And it's gotten so much worse. There, this was this is always the worst game, which I think it always sucks for Ken. It sucks for Hall of Fame weekend that they do it this way. But it's gotten worse. It's really gotten worse. They're used to at least they'd get you a series of yeah. the starters. They'd give you a series, you know. But it's been a long time since you've even gotten that. Um, it does kick off the uh, the marquee weekend for the league, and it's obviously a ton of headlines. For the whole league this weekend with uh with Deshaun and then I'll tell you we spent so much we had Charles on he's just the best and we were talking about obviously the Watson stuff and at the end of it I asked him the question about Miami and are you are you surprised Z that there has been no punishment for Brady in this no I mean I'm... I mean he faked a retirement yep colluded with an NFL team to become a player owner of the NFL team while under contract with a current team. That's what happened. Yeah, that you would think that there would be some type of a punishment, but my guess is there again, and this is the point I was making with Charles yesterday. There's something to it that in a situation where an owner and a player both committed a wrongdoing, the owner was held to a higher standard of punishment, which has been the crux of the argument on one side for the NFLPA and the Deshaun Watson that owners have not been punished for sexual misconduct correct and so they're saying well hell look over here yeah play tom brady's fine we got the owner we got the owner by the way what does a suspension even mean for an owner what does you it mean go to for the him? games oh listen dan snyder's like not even dan's in the like fine i'm yeah. in i'm in the south of france i'm fine nothing to see here i, I don't, don't need even to go plan what to do i need to go for international waters that's it oh there's gibbe gibbe's here um, well, I, I thought maybe you need a little help out of the bullpen here. No, we're good. Get you to the Kick your feet back. Enjoy yourself. I, I want some more music. There are, there are three teams that have been docked first-round picks for various offenses over the years. Mm. All three involved one Tom Brady at the center of them. Yeah, Deflategate, Spygate, and this. Hmm. Although, yeah. It's only cheating. I just think caught. it's. I just think it's amazing that like. He faked. He went. That whole retirement was nonsense. He faked a retirement to try to engineer himself to Miami. Craziness. Craziness. That is crazy. Who are we going to play next year in the Hall of Fame game? Who's the Hoff going in with? I feel like I'm. I'm announcing it right now. The Cleveland Browns are going to play in the Hall of Fame game next year. The question is, who are we playing against? Who's in the Hoff's class? I don't know who's going in next year. The Hoff. That's all I care about. I'm a. I'm a. No, I'm just trying to – let's see off. if we can sort the uh, sort it out. All right, so this will be 2023 20, Hall of Fame class. Let's see what, what this gets us. All right. See, I only have the semi – Is Revis in? For, 
As, when's Revis? Contributor category. All right. So here are your look-aheads for uh, James Harrison. He doesn't feel like a Hoff to me. Does he have enough juice? No. Are there enough all pros there for him? No. Here, here are some of the guys who will be first ballot guys next. It's Revis. Revis. So right? it's Cam Chancellor, uh, Jari Evans, Matt Ford. No, come on. Dwight Freeney, James Harrison, Carson Palmer, Daryl Revis. James Harrison, two-time all-pro, five-time pro bowler. Might, might have made the Hall of Fame based strictly on what he did to our quarterbacks and our he had three players. Seasons, he was a fun character, but like it was – Three seasons of double-digit sacks. Once was the defensive player of the year in 2008. I mean – no, it's Revis. It's Revis and Revis. him. Is Freeney better? Is Freeney's case better than I think? Could he sneaky be sneakily have a really good Super Bowl champ, seven-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro, eh. 2004 NFL sack leader. So he's in the mix. He's he would in be mix. in the mix as a Hoff. I don't know about first ballot. Seven seasons of double-digit sacks. I think it'll be us against no. the Jets. I'm going to say it's us and the Jets next year in the pre in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who's Sanders going in? It's Jags Raiders. What is it tonight? It's Jags Raiders tonight. Who's because going of Baselli in? And is it who's going in for the Raiders t- this weekend? This is not a g- loaded class. Like it's like no. Bryant Young. Is Richard Seymour in this class? Baselli. There's an old time. Finally gets in. There's yeah. an old time guy. Like, Pete Prisco's so happy. There's an old time guy that's uh, that I'm blanking on from the Raiders who's going in after a long timeout. Uh, 2022. Baselli, Cliff Branch. That's it, Cliff Branch. Branch. So it'll be yeah. us against the Jets next year. Yeah. It'll be us Good against job, the Jets. Steve. That's what that's going to be next year in the Hall of Fame game as we get to see the Hoff. It's a bold prediction, Cotton. I'm I'm telling you, book it. Revis, Hoff. We haven't been in the Hall of Fame game since 99 when we came back. Revis, Hoff are going to headline the class. Ozzy Newsom got in. Got into the Hall of Fame. I remember excited, being excited to watch that just to see like the Browns uniforms again. I had no dog in the, awesome. in the fight. It was, a, just it was to an see that unbelievable again. night in that stadium. Didn't Ty Detmer? Did he get the start? A Ty Detmer. Do I have that right? Ty Detmer started the season. I don't know if it I was feel like it, Couch. No, I don't think it was Couch because I wanted to see Couch because I didn't have it. I would, had no ties to Ohio sure. at that point. I'm pretty sure that I that it was Detmer who had the who started that game. So us and the Jets. You heard it here. You heard it here first. That's that's beyond scores. That's book it. That's Lock City. Buy your buy your tickets. Write it in pen. Sharpie. Get it done. Elk and Elk serious lawyers for serious injuries. Call one eight hundred Elk Ohio for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Oh, before uh, I did, I did 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 miss this. The Cardinals wide receiver Hollywood Brown arrested in charge with criminal speeding Wednesday morning, confirmed by the Arizona Department of Public Safety. How fast was he going? What's criminal speeding? I don't know. Over eighty five. Over eighty five. I know. Yeah. Jeez, come on. What was it? Thirty five. It's Arizona. Like the speed limit's got to be like seventy five out there. Yeah, you think you'd think so. Montana's eighty. Yeah, it's a bit Wyoming's of, eighty. I mean, I'm sure you're. I'm sure the speed limit in Arizona on the on the freeways is seventy five or eighty. But maybe he was doing it. As long as hopefully not residential. Don't be yeah, a dummy. Right. Yeah. Like if you're out on the freeway and he's driving a car that's equipped, go for it. All right. By the way, one last life. piece of NFL news: Deontay Johnson receives a two year extension worth thirty six point seven million dollars. He's a good player. I don't know he's going to throw him the ball, but he's a good player. Yeah, he is. Doesn't seem like things are going swimmingly over there at the quarterback. No, it's been a – Mitchell had it, of course, and why wouldn't it? Why would it? Yeah. I go back to this. <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky 
was on full display as a starter for the Bears. Obviously, not a, maybe it wasn't Two or the greatest years. system for a couple of years. After that, the only team in the league that would give him a one year, I think it was $2.5 million, may have been three and a half, but two and a half to $3.5 million for a quarterback is not much. Only one team would give him a contract. That was the Bills. So he signs a one year, basically quarterback minimum. That's kind of what it feels like to go back up Josh Allen. He backs up Josh Allen, doesn't play. Josh Allen plays and then gets a two-year, $14 million deal to be a starting quarterback. <laughs> so when we saw him as a starter, we said, uh-uh, this guy yeah. can't start. Then when we don't see him as a starter and he's just a backup, we say, eh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Great job. Good job out of you. Uh, we're going to talk some tight ends with Coach T.C. McCartney. That is coming up next. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Very happy now. First time on the show talking with Browns tight end coach T.C. McCartney. And T.C., welcome. It's great to finally get to talk to you. Absolutely. It's great to be here. So for the people who may not know some of your background, give your background not only just as a coach that's gotten you to the point to be the tight ends coach for the Browns, but your background in the game that you love football. Gotcha. So I kind of grew up um, in the game. Um, my grandfather was the head coach at Colorado, um, so kind of a coach's kid. Um, and I played for my uncle. My uncle was my high school coach. And then uh, I ended up playing at LSU, walking on there, earning a scholarship. Uh, didn't play much, but I knew I was going to coach, so um, I always had my eyes on that. Um, ended up GAing there. Um, we had a good run. We played in two national championships and won one when I was there. Um, ended up at Colorado for two years as a GA. Um, and then I moved to uh, I, Cleveland in 2014. It was my first NFL job. I was here. Um, then I jumped to San Francisco for a year and then to uh, Baton Rouge, back to LSU for a year, then back to San Francisco for two years. Uh, then I got the quarterback job in Denver um, and then ended up here in 2020. was with the quarterbacks for two years and now here with the tight end. So moved around a lot, been a lot of places, uh, but good to be back here in Cleveland. So you're a football lifer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. I've never had a real job. This is the only thing I've ever done. Or well, It's pretty good, right? It's not a, not a bad thing. And so you go back to 2014 when you're here with Kyle, right? And then in San Francisco with Kyle. So you are familiar. And I know when you went to Denver, who were you with in Denver? Was it Scangarello? Yeah, Scangarello was a quarterback coach in San Francisco. And then he got the coordinator job in Denver and brought me uh, as a quarterback's coach. So I've been in this system for a long time now. We're some kind of offshoot of this system for a while. So eight years, started in 2014 and in here. And, you know, when you kind of grow up in the game, as you said, you haven't really had a quote-unquote real job. It's a real job with real stakes, as you very well know, and a lot of pressure. But does that give you an appreciation? Is, is this something that you get excited to do every single day? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't – again, I don't know much else, but I can't imagine myself doing anything else. So getting to come out here, um, you know, coach the tight ends, get out on the field, be in the sun, and then – Every week, you know, when we get to the season, you get to test yourself. So it's a lot of fun. Given that you were a quarterback yourself and that you have worked with quarterbacks in the NFL, how does that help you with tight ends? And I think probably the natural thing is, right, you're helping them to be able to see the game through the eyes of the quarterback, which is important when they want to get the football. Absolutely. So when you're in the quarterback room, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. But probably second most uh, in the position-wise would be tight ends. We're involved in every aspect of the game. And so being able to 
see every part of the game, whether it's protection, whether it's run game, or whether it's the pass game. Um, in a similar vein to the quarterback, it's, it's, it's very similar. Why do you love this system, and why do you love it for tight ends? I think uh, this system is put together well. Uh, things complement each other, um, but it has a lot of diversity, so it can look at a lot of different ways. And so with the tight end position, um, we can use guys in a whole bunch of different ways, whereas you watch other teams play, they might not be as uh, diverse in scheme, but we're able to take advantage of guys' strengths because we can put them in all sorts of different positions. So I think we can, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, feature guys better in this system. So whether whatever position it is, in the tight end room, we can feature whatever you do well, we can get you on the field and do that. Relative to San Francisco or maybe even in your time in Denver, with, for example, having a Bill Callahan here, are there more concepts in the run game than maybe in other places where people say it's just that pure outside zone game? We do a lot of pulling. We do a lot of pin pull, a lot of those kind of different, you know, run techniques. Is that different here or is that something that everybody does? Um, it's definitely different here. And I think the other teams are starting to adopt it. The other teams that run the system are becoming more diverse in the run game. But when I got here, I learned a ton from Coach Callahan and really everyone here about different schemes. So we pair the wide zone with a bunch of other schemes that uh, can complement it. So it's been obviously really good for us the last two years, and we get, we got to keep evolving. Um, but we've done some things well the last two years in the run game. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the guys in your room. And I actually was talking to uh, David Njoku, who obviously now he's the man, got paid to be the man. This is his year, former first-round pick, incredible natural athletic gifts, hard worker. He's become a great blocker. But he said that you guys had a good relationship even before you became the tight end coach. You guys would always kind of get along and joke around and stuff. So how did that relationship start with the Chief? And then how is it now that your guys are in the same room together? Yeah, so me being in the quarterback room for two years, you know, we're kind of involved with with everyone. So I got to know, you know, almost all the offensive guys over the last two years. Uh, me and Dave definitely had a good relationship. Um, again, it's fun joking around with them. Um, and then just talking routes, talking football, talking life. So over those two years, we developed a relationship. And then now it's been an easy transition here. Um, now that I'm in the room with him, we know each other, uh, we trust each other. So when I tell him something, he knows that I have the best interest in, uh, at heart. I like the fact that he feels like some people, you know, they get paid and they're like, all right, I've made it. And he feels like I need to justify this and he's ready to have a monster season. What are, what's unique about his talent and why do you think he can have a, a great year here in 2022? I mean, he's super gifted. So there's not a ton of guys who are that big, who can run that fast. Um, and are as good a blocker as him. So, again, we can use him in so many different ways, whether it is pass protection, which he's had a lot to do a lot, or whether it is gap schemes or wide zone, he can do all those things. But he also can stretch the field. He can also, um, you know, he's developing as a route runner, and he's got a chance to be really, really good. Um, he's really good with the ball in his hands. So we have a lot of ways to use him, and I'm excited to see all the different ways we use him this year. Me too, and he's darn good in the red zone. Just throw it up and go get it, play a little jump ball. Absolutely. Let's get him some touchdowns. Is that a quarterback's friend when you have a guy like that in the red zone where you know, look, if I just put it up where only he can get it, we have a chance either to be a touchdown or an incompletion, which is that's really what you want down there. Absolutely. When you guys have catch radius is the, you know, the term people use, but he's got long arms and he can jump. So you can, you can throw it pretty much anywhere. He can go get it. So that's always nice. All right, let's talk about Harrison Bryant. So three touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. A guy who played some tackle in high school and then goes into college, wins the Mackey Award. First guy ever to win that from a non-Power 5 school. Natural route runner. How's he progressed? And now, you know, you think Chief's bumping up? He's bumping up, too. He's going to be the guy in those two tight end sets and the guy that probably can be a weapon in the slot and is a move tight end. Yeah, absolutely. So Harrison should get a lot more opportunities, um, you know, in the past game and, and really doing everything this year than he has the past two years which is going to be good. Um, 
you know, I don't think people have seen the full arsenal he has, and I, we're really excited about him. There was a play, I think it was two days ago when you guys were doing, yeah, it was two days ago. It was the first day back. Uh, we were doing situations, like it was fourth downs, third, fourth downs, and he ran a jerk route that was nasty. Absolutely. So we've been working a lot on, you know, trying to gain separation, using different techniques, and he's one of the best that I've been around and being able to do all these different things, especially for how big he is. So it's, it's going to be a fun year watching him play. All right, now we're getting the guys that you probably have a little extra affinity for, the quarterbacks who are now tight ends. Miller Forrestal, who obviously was same high school as Trevor Lawrence, and no shame in, I guess, losing your quarterback job to Trevor Lawrence, now here as a tight end with the Browns. How has he kind of developed? And it feels like he's had a nice start to his camp. Absolutely. he's had a, He's been really good for us. He's a really smart guy. He knows what to do. So it feels like he's kind of an older player than he actually is. Um, he's put on um, a lot of good weight, a lot of good strength. Um, so he's had really good spring, really good start to camp, and uh, I'm excited to see him in some preseason games, let him play football a little bit. And on some teams, right, the third tight end, you're like, okay, yeah, you're the third tight end. You're really not going to play unless there's an injury. You're probably going to play nothing but special teams. But here, and I might imagine with Deshaun under, at quarterback, it would be less, but we do run some of that 13 personnel. We'll get the three tight ends on the field together, and so there is a role that Miller could play if he can win that job. Absolutely. Whoever the third tight end is, whether it's Miller or somebody else, they got a really good shot to be on the field to make an impact on our team and help us win games. Um, we probably put third tight end on the field as much as anybody in the NFL. So um, he's got a chance, and he's definitely got the skill set to do it. So I'm excited. Let's talk about another former quarterback, Johnny Stanton, who's been a quarterback. He's been a fullback. He's been a linebacker and, and now working in your room as a tight end and a guy that has that diversity of skill set. He can line up in the backfield if you need him to. And yesterday had a good day, I think, out here. Caught a bunch of balls. What have you seen from him and his development going to a position that he did a long time ago but is now trying to do again here in the NFL? Absolutely. You know, in the spring, kind of transitioning to tight end a little bit. Um, you know, we're still going to get him in spots that familiar to him. Um, but he's got the skill set to do these things. Uh, he's been doing them for a while now. Um, he knows this offense. So it's about putting him in uh, a couple different positions and then some familiar positions for him. But, yeah, I had a great day yesterday. I caught, you know, five or six balls, some really big plays. So been doing really well. Has he kind of taken naturally more to the route running, maybe faster than you might have expected? Because the blocking, that's going to come for him, right? That's something that he's been doing his whole career. But it feels like he has an African open, and he catches the ball pretty naturally and cleanly. Absolutely. He's got really natural hands. We saw that even in the past two camps. Um, he's had to spot, play tight end a little bit, and he made a lot of plays. So I think it was a natural transition for him to get out in space and, and do that a little bit more. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was preseason against the Giants last year. He played tight end because we were down, I think, like everybody. And had a couple catches, I think 33 yards, a couple catches in that one. Yeah, absolutely. He's flashed the past couple of years the ability to run down the scene, to make plays with his hands, uh, run after catch. So it's been good. All right, so we're through four. There's still more competition, and that's what's great about the National Football League. Let's start with uh, Marcus Santos Silva. Trying to follow Mo Ali Cox's footsteps, his teammate at VCU, basketball player. You can see he's just a natural athlete, and it looks to me like he catches it pretty naturally, like he's been doing it for a while. How is his development coming, and is he somebody that you could see having you know, a bright future down the road? Absolutely. So it's always hard to transition to a completely new sport. I mean, two months after he's hitting free throws to go to the Sweet 16, you know, he's in an NFL tight end room. So um, he's got a lot to learn, but he's been doing really well. He made tons of improvements from when he first got here till now um and you know browns fans go watch uh, his highlight his basketball highlights on youtube they're pretty cool you can see how his footwork and how athletic he is and so a lot of work to do but the uh talent's definitely there 
So a good piece of clay. How's the blocking? I'd imagine that would be, he's used to blocking with his butt, right? Blocking people out to get rebounds. And now all of a sudden you're blocking somebody that's in front of you with your leverage, your arms, your legs getting low and all of that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a hard transition for anyone, but it's really hard when you line up across from Miles Garrett and Clowney and these guys. So uh, a lot of technique work to do. We got a lot of work to do there, but he has really heavy hands and he's gained a lot of weight and um, he's been doing really well. What can you tell us about Nakia Griffin-Stewart, one of the young men? And then there's also Zaire Mitchell-Payne, two young undrafted free agents who are coming in here trying to compete and make a, make a role for themselves. So Nakia, uh, he's been in the league a little bit. He's got um, some knowledge of what we're trying to do. He's been in this system a little bit, so he has a good uh, base of what we're doing. Um, he's really good in space, okay? He's, uh, he's a really good route runner. Hands, really good. Pass game, you know, he's done a lot of good things for us. Now we're transitioning. Um, getting him in the run game, getting him doing some things. And he had a good day yesterday uh, being physical. I don't even know how many pass plays I had him in for. Like, we were getting him in the run game, and he's done well. He's versatile. He can play some different spots uh, in a similar vein to Harrison. And so getting him just more reps, letting him play. Uh, in the spring, it's been a little different without, you know, we don't get pads. Sure. So we got to see him, you know, in preseason games, playing, hitting, running and catching. And uh, I'm excited to do that. And then Zaire Mitchell-Payton, who I've seen make a couple of grabs here so far in camp. But what can you tell us about him and his game? Yep. Um, undrafted rookie, came in here, and uh, is a really hard worker. Um, he's come in. He's a big guy, a lot of length, a little raw, but he's got a lot of ability. Um, and it's definitely a name to watch. He's, um, he's going to develop really fast because of how hard, hard of a worker he is. He's going to contribute in both the run and the pass game. He's made a ton of improvements since he got here. So I'm excited to watch him. You mentioned kind of in the spring, you were in the pass game, but you were in either the quick game, the deep game, you were in, but you weren't in the play action game. And I imagine in your room, that's something that is a big part of what the tight ends do, right? They get involved a lot in a lot of, especially in the boots and the misdirections, getting kind of those little crossers. You really can't do that in the mini camp because everything that was done in the OTAs was quarter speed when it was team. It was basically seven on seven camp. You know, you're passing the ball and there's really not going to be a play action action off of that. How has that been for your guys finally getting that work now? Pads come on yesterday, getting that actual play-action game work that's going to be a big part of what they do this season. Yeah, it's been really good. So we've been talking about these concepts. We've been learning them schematically for a long time now. But this is really the first time we get out there in full speed, make contact, and, and work on these techniques. And so, again, a ton of work, but it was a good start yesterday. There was one play I wanted to ask you about where it looked like Miller's responsibility would have been to block Miles. Miles dropped kind of into the center of the D, and I don't know if he was spying. I don't know what he was doing. But did was it his job to block, and then if not, if he didn't rush, then he gets to release. He ended up making a nice little grab right across his face and making a pretty big play there. Yeah, it was going to be – he was going to release no matter what. We might have chipped through Miles to help the tackle a little bit. Uh, Miles ended up dropping, and we were running a shallow route, and he made a nice play, ran right through the ball, caught the ball away from his body with his hands, uh, ran right through it. So it was a good play. Um, when the pads come on, that's a big day for your room. Did you feel, were you happy? Because we keep talking about it. Oh, he had a nice day yesterday. He had a nice day. So a good day for your room overall. Absolutely. Uh, we challenged the whole offense, really, uh, going into it. We didn't have a, a great day the day before. And then we put the pads on, and we expected to see, you know, the biggest thing was finish. And I thought uh, the whole offense, but especially those tight ends as well, were finishing yesterday. So it was good to see. Now, as a former quarterback, do you enjoy the portion of practice where you get to just sling the ball around to the tight ends? Oh, absolutely. I love throwing it around. But the, you know what? What I've learned in, since my time in this system is the best way to throw it is to play action, and, and to do that, you have to be able to run the ball. So um, if you want a bunch of catches, if you want easy uh, easy catches and big plays, then the best way we could do that is be really good at blocking. 
Yeah, we even saw a nice little tight end screen a couple of days ago to the Chief that was a was a big one that was set up off of a little play. There was a lot going on on that play. We don't need to get in all that for those trying to get information here. But for you personally, what's it like having your own room like this with the guys? And think about now, you've talked about in the past, you've worked with some O-lines, you've done with quarterbacks, now with tight ends, building your skill set. And I know it's something Kevin Stefanski wants you guys to do, kind of because at some point, right? You want to go be an offensive coordinator. You want to go then become a head coach. And so getting that diversity, is this really fun for you? Absolutely. It's kind of being able to put um, all the different aspects you learn about a scheme together into one room, whether it's in the run game blocking, whether it's pass protection um, scheme, or whether it's pass protection technique, uh, route running, um, catching the ball fundamentals, all those things come up in this room. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like I've been trained really well by the guys I got to work under, including the guys here. And so felt really ready for this opportunity. Um, and, you know, I really enjoy uh, the guys that we have in the room. I mean, that's the most important part about coaching. It's the reason that I, you know, you deal with 18-hour, 19-hour days because you really enjoy the people you work with. And so that's been, you know, the most fun part. And it's in your blood. I mean, I think it was, it was almost destined that you would be sitting here. I think so, probably so. Again, I've never even thought about doing anything else. So, All right, last one for you. Who amongst the staff, non-players, who has the best arm? You, I'm guessing. I mean, yeah, someone's going to have to show me if they're better than me at throwing the ball here on staff. I can't think of anyone right now that, uh, that could. You know, Ashton Grant's trying to be. We'll see. He gets to throw a little uh, routes on air this year, so we'll see. All right. TC, this is a pleasure. Great talking to you. Happy to have you on staff. Congrats again on this opportunity in the tight room. I'm looking forward to seeing your guys go out there and dominate this season. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Um, should be a fun year. It's going to be great. All right, we'll be back with more Cleveland Browns Daily right after this. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Training camp underway, and the Browns 50-50 raffle is now open. Go to the Browns mobile app or browns5050.com to purchase your tickets. The raffle ends on Sunday, August 21st. Don't miss your chance to win big while supporting the Stay in the Game Network and shoes and clothes for kids. I will definitely watch some of the preseason game tonight. I'll have it on. Put it on in the background. Pay a little bit of attention. Why it'll, not? It'll have my attention for a half hour, 45 minutes. Why not? Also, the debut of Matthew Barry on NBC Sports. He oh, what's he doing? I announced that he's going to be there doing – he's going to be on Football Night in America doing fantasy football and betting content and a bunch of other well, stuff. Well, the betting I mean, content makes thing. all the sense in the world. Yeah. The fantasy football stuff's done by the time you get to Sunday night. Right. right. When was the day for you on that? Was it third? When was the big day? When's the way? Would it be the waiver day that was the big day when you were in that business? Or no, what, or it, it was starting. It start was and Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, start yeah, and leading up to yeah. the kickoffs. Yeah, we used to do when I first did radio. Uh, first stint I had it down in Columbus. We would do this. It's not like we were experts on anything, but I guess we we're as experts as some people can be. And we would do this thing. We just do start and sit. We'd have you have a thousand calls as if we oh, were yeah. some sort of authority. People want to be guided. It's like, what do I know, man? Just a dude on the radio. So would you give like a rationale or you would just be No, like, I would make I made a mockery of it. Uh, like sometimes see, I was I, very serious. Well, no, you had a business. Had, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. you know, no, I made a mockery of it. I was like, I would pick them on which school I like better. <laughs> if I thought whoever guy I thought wore a cooler number, like I would that's do. Good, that's actually a good criteria. Yeah, I would make, I made a complete mockery of it. 
So because I wasn't an expert in it, and I made fun of the fact that I wasn't. <laughs> so, right. Why would you be calling me, you idiots? Yeah. Call Nathan Zagura. He's the expert. Next level's next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.